We have huge news in the world of independent league baseball, both on and off the field, including a new field. You'll want to know what we're talking about on this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 180 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will, and we have a lot to discuss this week, I'd say. Yeah, you could say that. I guess a bombshell of all bombshells that I guess nobody saw coming that was like outside of the loop. I guess it's, I assume it's been in the works, but, yeah. uh, but certainly nobody on the outside in the indie ball community saw it coming. Uh, and yeah, just wow. Big, yeah. big week, big weeks. Absolutely. And I mean, Coming in before Wednesday, and we'll obviously mention with some detail what we are kind of teasing here. Before Wednesday, when this announcement kind of came through, it was kind of like, oh, okay, it's going to be another week of just talking about playoff races, maybe the Frontier League's transaction deadline, maybe finding some teams that we can firmly write out of the playoff race, maybe go into a little detail in the Pioneer League, you know, the usual here and there. Maybe mention how uh, I think it's Grand Junction got bought by the same uh, ownership group that owns Northern Colorado now out in the Pioneer League. Some minor stuff like that, you know, that general thing here. But then on Wednesday, and I suppose with this, we'll just jump right into the story itself. The uh, New Jersey Jackals uh, put out a little statement around 8 in the morning or so. Uh, a little bit before 8, I believe, 7.30ish. That's not really important, but it basically said that uh, as of August 25th of this year, they will be done at Yogi Berra Stadium. They're going to play out their last, I believe, five home games at this point by, by the time you're listening to this at the uh, at Yogi Berra. And they will be moving to a new ballpark for the 2023 season and beyond. Obviously, they didn't uh, list it in the uh, in the formal release. Yeah, it kind of led to rapid speculation for a little bit. We'll link the the actual statement in the show notes, of course. But essentially, it said the ownership group's going to remain the same. They're going to remain the Frontier League. They're going to. It's going to be business as usual, just a new ballpark that kind of led to speculation across Twitter and social media as a whole of, is this team going to remain in New Jersey? Is this team going to become roommates with uh, the kind of sister club, I guess, which would be the Sussex County Miners, I'm seeing as they're owned by the same group, uh, or could there be another ballpark in North Jersey or just New Jersey as a whole that they can move to. People really were reading a lot into the fact that they're the New Jersey Jackals and kind of thought that to me, they could go anywhere in New Jersey. Now, before we go ahead and announce where it is that they're going to move, because I feel pretty confident. I did some digging on Wednesday. It's been pretty much the whole day Wednesday. And then, you know, yesterday and today, you know, it... I feel like it's been pretty confident. Didn't see it put out anywhere. Although I think uh, we all kind of already knew where they're going to go. I'm going to hold on to that information for just a second, though. We'll, we'll announce that formally in a second. But uh, what did you first think, Will, when you heard the announcement there before we get into where they're going? So I think when I first uh, when I first heard it, um, I guess at first, of course, you're you're really surprised. Just because I think the timing of it, just because there was there's six games left in the regular season, and you'd think maybe they're going to be like, all right, this is the last year at Yogi Berra Stadium. That's probably going to be announced earlier in the year. I think now it was it was interesting to see that, and maybe I I don't know like when it was officially like the papers, whatever signed. I'm sure that's something we'll get yeah. more into, but uh, but I think that. It was initially surprised, but at the same time, when you think about it more, this is something that we've talked about, right? Yeah. We've talked about that the Jackals do not have the best situation as far as, um, as far as, of a lot of things. Yogi Berra is an old stadium. It's not, it's not in great shape. And the problem is, is you're, the Jackals were, it was, they were faced with the choice, I think, uh, that they're either going to have to look at other stadium options or they're going to have to put millions of dollars 
into Yogi Berra Stadium to kind of refurbish it, give it um, give it kind of a facelift, and uh, kind of usher in a new era of Jackals baseball. That decision, I think, was coming up pretty rapidly because yeah. I don't think you could you were they, they were in a position that maybe five to seven years down the road they could still be at Yogi Berra Stadium and like the current form and whatever it looks like it looks like I don't think that was an option for them at this point so uh I guess the fact I think those were just the the two choices I didn't think it was going to come this soon uh this could be something that's still a few years away but it makes sense that that uh the move itself because you wouldn't think that of course a renovation of uh yogi Berra stadium was possible but i don't think that there was really ever a situation where the jackals were going to shell out the money to build a new ballpark from scratch uh just because that's just not that's just not really realistic in, in a lot of senses and also uh, it's not like they had the greatest um attendance or whatever to drive to fund whatever uh that would that would cost so i think it was initially surprise, but I think uh, it was almost the inevitable came sooner. I think than anyone was was ready for. Uh, but I do think, and certainly not all of the ramifications of this are good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think that the pros outweigh the cons uh, when I think you look at this from a bigger picture. And this was something that was going to need to happen eventually, or they were going to need to show out the money to kind of. Uh, to kind of give Yogi Berra Stadium a facelift, and I guess they decided that it wasn't that it wasn't worth it, and uh, they were they were better off trying uh, somewhere else, presumably in New, presumably in New Jersey. Yeah, and it, part of the issue with doing the renovation too is you have to contend with the fact that it's on Montclair State University's campus, so you kind of have to go through them to get things done. I'd assume that it's either a mixed-use venture or that the college owns it. I'm not sure if the Jackals physically own Yogi Berra. If they physically owned it, I imagine doing a lot of work would have been a lot easier to get done. But if it's the college that owns it and then kind of leases it to or rents it to uh, the team, then obviously you need to get the college's approval before you do anything else. And as you are saying, Will, for like, I'd say easily the last 20 or so years, say for one or two major additions, the ballpark's been pretty much the same, you know, like the only two major ones would be maybe that kind of little bar area they have and perhaps that new Dectronic scoreboard that they put in. Outside of that, realistically, that ballpark looks virtually unchanged over the last two decades. And that is an issue in and of itself. I mean, you got to maintain the ballpark. You got to do new things to attract new people there. And also, let's keep in mind, it's not exactly the, the largest ballpark in the world either. It's a pretty small, uh, kind of intimate type setting, which kind of limits your ability to do a lot of different things here. And while there is a little bit of a history element to it, you know, you have Yogi Berra Museum right there. You have the name attached to it. It's been around now for 25 years. That's only good for so much. You know, how many times are people going to go to a Jackal game and, or because of the museum or because it's Yogi Berra, like maybe once, twice at most. So that's not really a draw when the ballpark's in the shape it's in. It's going to hurt attendance there. So physically renovating it was going to have hurdles that it would have to go through. Working with the college from what I kind of heard through my digging around, and I'm sure some jackal people will be nodding their heads along with it. It wasn't exactly easy. The college didn't make life, you know nice and I hate to use the word easy again but it didn't make life easy there they kind of fought with them a little bit to what extent I don't really know but they weren't the best of partners here and when you start to think about the timing of it I agree that I would have thought it would have been a little bit further on down the road maybe a year or two to really plan something out map something out so that way you could see realistically what you need in a post-covid world I think having one or two seasons you know, 21 and 22, maybe 23 is the year you go, okay, this will be our last shot here. We'll look for 24. What does kind of come to my mind is it is the Jackals 25th anniversary year this year. 
So perhaps whatever agreement they have with the college was a 25-year agreement. They signed it in 98. It expires in 22. It would kind of line up and make some sense to me there if they sign an agreement like that. Or if there is, say, one-sided re-ups, you know, opt-ins and opt-out type situations where maybe every five years they could either choose to opt-in or opt-out. And now at this point they have either the end of the contract or an opt-out that they're choosing to uh, exercise so that could be something I don't know what the stadium agreement looks like uh, I'm sure if I were to do enough digging I would be able to get some sort of a hint about it but uh, it doesn't really seem rather pertinent at this point what is important is they need a new ballpark they've gotten a new ballpark and uh, I suppose at this point we could probably just go out and say it even though I know there's going to be jack of people listening to this and thinking why do you have to steal our thunder and I do on one level feel bad about stealing the thunder from their announcement but who knows? Maybe that 1% chance that I'm wrong happens. Well, that's the, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't think it makes too much sense. Yeah. So. It has to be right. So yeah, again, I, I'm going to apologize in advance to the Jackal people. I know this is a big announcement, so I'm really feel bad stealing your thunder, but let's both be honest with ourselves here. You're leaving about a month in between, or at the very least a couple weeks from when you announced where you were going to announcing where you're leaving someone was going to find it. I just so happened to be the one to grab it first. And that being said, there was a lot of things thrown around uh, uh, as to where they could go. Skylands was one. Some people threw out Atlantic City, which uh, that just wasn't going to happen. That ballpark's not in good enough shape. I, if they would have spent like a year or two getting it ready, then maybe, but it just doesn't really line up, especially with the footprint of the league at the moment. But one that was thrown around a lot was the uh, renovated Negro League Stadium in Patterson, uh, which is about five miles up the road, uh, Hinchcliffe Stadium. That was thrown around an awful lot. That was one that I first saw thrown into my mentions, I know. And I was thinking, oh, that I'm not sure they want to go to Patterson. Plus, I'm not sure Patterson would want them. And then more and more, uh, apparently the mayor had done some sort of ceremony uh, earlier there where they he kind of hinted towards... Uh, We'd love to have the Jackals here in the past. He said he wanted to have them or be interested in working with them. And then as I went around, I had a couple of light, like they wouldn't, the people I talked to, they wouldn't outright say they were going to Patterson, uh, but they also weren't really saying, no, we're not going. It's just like, oh, we're very curious about it. There's built-in history here, that kind of a thing. And then we had uh, one or two that, kind of outright told us that they're going to be going to Patterson. I trust uh, two of the people that told me that, uh, one of the many that told me that. So I think I can confidently say that they're going to be playing at Hinchcliffe Stadium in 2023, provided that the renovations are taken care of and that they are completed. Should the renovations not be completed, I don't really know where they'd go. I imagine Skylands would be the temporary home, but that part is just speculation. But I can confidently say with about... I'd say 99% confidence in what I'm reporting that uh, they're going to be going to Patterson next year at Hinchcliffe Stadium. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it makes a lot of it makes sense in a lot of ways for some of the reasons that you mentioned, Nick. Just because of um, it's not far uh, from from their old home uh, in, uh, in in at Montclair State. Uh, and I think that, th- and this was something that kind of off the air we had talked about, yeah. is, oh, well, there's a reputation that Patterson has. Yeah. Um, that, well, what if that scares, what if that, like, scares some of the fan base away that they don't, that they don't want to go to Patterson to go to a game? Yeah. My thought behind it is, well, that while that may be true for some of the, some of the Jackal fans, at the end of the day, the Jackals' average attendance this year was 800. Yeah. 800. That's... So, at the, so to be honest with you, if that, if that ends up happening and you lose some of, like, you lose some of your market, what kind of market was there anyway? Uh, and I think that, especially when you're talking about, I mean, they're, they're dead last in attendance this year, uh, in, in the Frontier League at 800. I would not. I am not worried about the Jackals trying something new, and not to mention there's so much history uh, behind uh, behind Hinchcliffe uh, and baseball and baseball in Patterson. If they can kind of play off that, 
and I think there's going to be what uh, once you know this gets close, like the season gets closer, assuming all the renovations go well. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, attention on it that at least for a while uh, can make it a a certainly in the short term, I think, a successful operation and one that's a much better situation than uh, what they currently have at Montclair State uh, and, and Yogi Berra Stadium. So I think that this is going to be a pretty significant improvement. Uh, I know, I, at least speaking from my perspective, I definitely would want to go see a game there. Uh, just because, uh, just because I'd love to see kind of the, what the, all those, the money that was put into the renovations, what that ends up looking like. I mean, they have a, a like a re, a refurbished stadium. I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's a big win in general. And I know there's going to be, and I understand that there's going to be a lot of, you know, diehard Jackal fans that live around the, that live around Yogi Berra who are not happy with this. And I get it. Like, I, I understand why. Um, however, I think from in, in a big picture and from a business perspective from the Jackals, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I wouldn't worry about uh, if I were if I were the, their ownership group, I wouldn't worry so much about losing, uh, I guess, so, losing some of the fans just because the numbers were so low to begin with. And you can't go much lower. There's got to be an improvement. Uh, and I think that moving to Hinchcliffe and a new in a newer ballpark uh with so much history behind it that'll certainly have a lot of attention on it. I think that's a really good thing for the Jackals. I definitely agree with the point on if you're only at 800 now, then you really don't have much if anything to lose because I mean the 800's just not a sustainable number at all. Uh, you could do that for maybe Maybe the beginning part of your season, but you need to, once you get into July and August, be drawing a couple thousand a game. Even a thousand is a low number. I mean, four digits is expected. Eight hundred is just like absurdly low. Like when you told me eight hundred, I didn't actually believe that it was sitting at eight hundred. But it, even right now, like I went ahead, just went back to make sure it still sits at eight hundred. It is at eight hundred through eighty games played in the season. So it just it. it I agree with that entirely. My concern, like I said, when we were talking about this when it first came out, was, you know, obviously independent ball, the thing we've always hammered in when we've talked about more of the business side of it is your goal is to attract families there. That's really like your bread and butter. And Patterson has a very rough reputation. It has a a it has a lot of work that needs to be done in it. And while Hinch Clip's great. It's going to be a fantastic stadium. It's going to be restored to its former glory, certainly. I mean, $94 million is being put into it. And so, I mean, that's practically like getting a brand new ballpark. You know, only you have a built-in history with it. And for a lot of individual people, you know, you do keep that same market there. I mean, five miles out the road is nothing, really. It's not that much more difficult to get to now. You know, getting off an exit sooner, you go up for another couple exits on the main road. You know, it's nothing really there. It's just for families, I'm not sure if they're really going to be game for that. I'm not sure what the what the nighttime attendance is going to be. I think if you are the Jackals, you kind of have to look after almost like what Nork did and go, okay, what was it like when you went to a game in Nork at night? How could we improve on that? Because I think the reputation between the two cities is fairly similar. I will also say it's interesting where Hinchcliffe is because at first I didn't realize whereabouts it was in Patterson. So I looked it up and it's right by the Great Falls, a national historic site. So perhaps you could go ahead and work something out there too and really get it to go. I think there is a lot of potential here. It's just the fact that it's located in Patterson. It concerns me from a suburban perspective as to how many people are going to want to go into Patterson either on a consistent basis or on a nighttime basis where that's when these games are being played. So if you're going to be risking that, it is a big gamble there. I do think and I do agree that having that history of it being a Negro League stadium, having it be freshly redone, renewed, there's supposedly a lot of construction in the area as well, trying to kind of rejuvenate the area. If they're able to kind of do that, then I think, yeah, it makes it a lot easier of a sell. Certainly, I think from a business perspective, you could definitely work Patterson a lot better um 
you may lose your college built-in audience, but that really wasn't a factor anyway. They're there from what four weeks of the season, if that, probably more like two or three. So now you are in the middle of a city where you could try and appeal to that city, get people from that city in there. I think there's a lot of really good benefits to it, but I also think there is a bit of a gamble when like what should be your primary audience is now going to be a lot more apprehensive about going to a game there than they otherwise would have been. I don't, I don't think you're wrong, but I think that uh, when, when you bring up uh, how much like is the suburban family going to want to go to Patterson at nighttime for a game? Yes, but how many suburban families at the same time wanted to? Uh, how many? How many at the same time went to Montclair State for a game to begin with? Like, I think when you're looking at your two options here. I don't think there's there's much to lose in the word like yeah. as, as you said. I don't I don't think there's that much to lose, and which is why I wouldn't worry that much about uh, about losing that market. Now I think building up the surrounding area, and because I I've I I mean you're more of a North yeah. Jersey guy than I am, but uh, but obviously the the surrounding area of it is going to be really important. Uh, you know, parking, parking as well is something yeah. that, that should be, uh, noted because that's going to be something that's going to have to be solved as well. Uh, and, and when, when you're talking in a city like Patterson, like, are there parking garages? Are there, like, are they have lots or what, what's going on there? Uh, so those are questions that'll have to be answered as well. There could be some concerns about, well, can we get, uh, families out there? I don't know that they were coming anyway, to be honest with you. Uh, and I think the numbers kind of back that up. So I, I wouldn't be, I would not be as concerned about it, uh, if I were the Jackals. And I think that, uh, I think a lot of the problem, uh, now, as far as like reputations and what people say and all that stuff, what the Jackals can't really do too much about that. But what they can do, uh, is, is, uh, or the city of Patterson, if they can help build, uh, build that surrounding area, you can start to change that over time and eventually build a successful uh, indie ball market. And I think that's the thing that they're looking for, that they'd be looking forward to the most, that by the time maybe the the attention of, wow, we have a team playing in, uh, we have an indie ball team playing in, in historic Hinchcliffe Stadium, once that kind of wears off, okay, now what? Uh, and I think that's the thing they struggled with with the Jackals, and I think it is a point you brought up a while ago. You can only run off the whole Yogi Berra thing for so long, yeah. and I think you got to a point where people didn't really care. That's the thing that they're going to have to change after these first two to three years at Hinchcliffe. How can they make this a long-term sustainable market? Because I think year one, I think it's definitely going to be much better than anything they had at Yogi Berra. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Can now can they sustain that uh, for the net, for for five to ten years? I think that's that's the question uh, because they did not at Yogi Berra, but hopefully that changes uh, at the new ballpark in Hinchcliffe. Yeah, like when I say the the whole suburb thing, I understand they're not going right now. What I'm more or less saying is, if you were going to move, I would have moved to somewhere I think I can draw in that audience. As opposed to Patterson, where it's going to be a bit of a tougher sell. I mean, it's one of the, if you look at crime statistics, you're going to see the numbers here. And then there's a whole host of reasons that I'm not going to get into because I'm not an expert on why the, the rate is what it is. But it is going to be something that is going to be a limiting factor. And yeah, year one is going to be pretty good because there's going to be that whole brand new stadium, brand new team. Look at all the history. Look at this, you know, nearly hundred million dollar stadium that's now here. That's going to be a huge sell going forward when you lose that kind of shine. You know, what's the plan here? And I do agree there needs to be a sustainability plan. I don't know what that's going to exactly be, though. You know, like, is it going to be continue pitching off of like, oh, look at the, how great this stadium is? Because at a certain point, that's not going to really work anymore, you know? And I do wonder. And maybe this is just me throwing it out here. If we see almost like a, a Kansas City type thing here where maybe you rebrand as like one of the old Negro League teams from the area, perhaps you do that. Maybe you don't because you're happy with a brand that you spent 25 years establishing. But I could see that as well, at the very least, 
on certain nights I could see that something like that but there is there does need to be a plan here for sustainability I 100% agree with you on that because while I do have apprehension here I do understand too that even at worst case scenario Hinchcliffe is going to be better than Yogi Berra it's as simple as that there's no real way that this team would have had a sustainable future at Yogi Berra where attendance is steadily on the decline for at least the past three or four years, probably longer than that. I'd have to see a whole chart and, you know, make a graph on it. But just off the top of my head, I can guarantee you they've been steadily declining and they're nearly going to be at rock bomb if they stayed. So I 100% agree that Hinchcliffe's going to be better than Yogi Berra. I just think that, you know, unless they have a really good plan here, unless they really work with the city to uh, kind of, ease some fears of some of the people that have traditionally gone to these games, people that have a lot of disposable income to go to these types of games. Uh, they may be in for a, a rough future, but that being said, I, I do agree though, when, you know, you're staring down, you know, your own death, you kind of say, you know what, whatever we have to do to push this off a little bit longer, we're going to do. You, you just kind of got to live for tomorrow. And if that's a problem for a week from now, that's a week from now's problem. But we got to address the problem in front of your face. So that, I do agree with that. So let me ask, like, l- let me ask you this then, because uh, let's compare. Let's compare, like, a hype, obviously, because they haven't played in Patterson yet. Yes. But let's compare that to say, like, the Trenton Thunder. Yes. And I know the Trent Thunder were were an affiliated team, so that's obviously a little different. It's more of a draw when they're the double-A affiliate of the Yankees or whatever. Let's say that, that the Trent Thunder were an Atlantic League team and mm. how what I think they always should have been. But yeah. uh, regardless, is that would that be something you would worry about in a similar sense uh, with as far as getting families uh, to Patterson, to Trenton, when I guess in Trenton, that's never really been that much of an issue that because that kind of case study kind of gives me more of a hope that Patterson could work. I'd agree with that, but I think that's a much of a different situation. Trenton already kind of had an established identity in that city for a very long time. Plus the affiliate a bit there. If you look more, like I said, I would say Nork is maybe a better example because they were independent for a while. Now, granted their ownership was considerably much of a mess, but that kind of fell apart. Maybe like the best example could be something like a Gastonia, which is apparently, you know, not exactly the best of areas from what I hear. Maybe I'm totally off base on that. I'm sure Gastonia people will very much inform me if I am wrong. And I'd look forward to being wrong, but they still have some attendance issues. They only draw 1600 a game. So perhaps that's something else. Uh, as far as Trenton itself is concerned, again, I just think it's a bit of a different situation here. But if they were to be in the Atlantic League, it would have been something that I was a little bit concerned about. But given their track record up to then, it would have been a lot less concerning to me. But the Jackals' track record up to now hasn't exactly been, you know, having them pour in. But again, like, is the reason they're not pouring in because of the product on the field? And because of the game day experience, or is that because the stadium's not very good and thus it limits a lot of what you can do as far as game day experience and the kind of players that will go there? Because I'm sure if the outward facing amenities are what they are, I'm sure the locker rooms and the player facing amenities aren't uh, in any better shape either. Yeah, I think that, I think that's something, uh, that I wonder if the Jackals kind of know the answer to. Uh, just because of why are people not coming to Yogi Berra Stadium? Is it a, is it a wow? The stadium is not in good, not in great shape, uh, or is it hard to get to? I mean, at least the times I've went, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's that hard to get to. Honestly, yeah, it's pretty easy, and parking's pretty plentiful too. Sure, yeah. So, um, so is it a, is it a game day experience thing? I don't know. So I don't know, but that's something that they're definitely going to have to change, you know, as they, uh, as, as they go to Patterson, because 
the the allure and the charm is going to wear off after the first couple after the first two to three years how can they keep it to a sustainable market i think that's the question and i think that's something that uh we'll have to answer but in the short term i think i i'd be very excited about this i'm very hopefully that if this is done by 2023 i would definitely love to go to to a game or two there uh just to kind of see the stadium and kind of get the experience uh i think there's there's a lot of potential uh it's not it's not perfect but there's i think there's a lot of potential uh, with this move as well, assuming that Patterson is the place. I think overall, as a uh, obviously, I'm not a, a, a diehard Jackals fan who was used to them being in Yogi Berra for a while, but I think the pros outweigh the cons as far as this move, in just my opinion. I 100% agree with that. I think, again, kind of like I was saying, they kind of got a stay of execution for as of now, at least, because, I mean, again, 800 fans a game over the course of a whole season is just not going to be sustainable. Obviously, there's some nights where there's going to be considerably more than 800, but in order to get to that number, there's also got to be considerably more nights under 800, too. And so that's just not sustainable. It's not a good thing for anybody involved. So obviously, a new ballpark, you can't really do much worse. So that's good news. It's going to be a ballpark that has a deep, rich history in it. It's going to be a ballpark that is going to be like new. It's going to be a lot of different things here. And, you know, it, it. I do agree. I think there's a lot of potential here. I think there's some questions about it. I think there's a lot I'd like to have answered. And obviously, I think when it gets formally announced in September, we'll probably have some more answers to those questions as to what it's going to be, you know, and... uh yeah, I, I'd be very excited for that announcement coming sometime in the next, uh, I guess, four to six weeks uh, to really see what that's going to be. Or, well, rather, I guess two to four weeks would be more, uh, two to six, I guess, would really be the more apt time frame there. So once we get those details, I'd love to uh, love to revisit it so we can kind of talk yeah. about it more. And hopefully uh, we didn't annoy too many people in that uh, front office there. Uh, and would be able to get somebody from the Jackals on to talk about this when it goes official. Because, like I said, it's a very exciting move. Like, that's one of the things I said when it first was announced, was that this is exciting, be- not because they're leaving Yogi Berra, but because they're getting a better facility. And this is something that, you know, for as long as this show's existed, no matter who's been on, has said the same thing, that stadium limits them. It limits the potential of what could really be a good, great ball club. Because on the field, they taking care of business more often than not maybe not win the championship but been a playoff team put together a lot of winning seasons put together a lot of good play and it's just a shame that not a lot of people can see it because the ballpark really limits them but it is exciting and like i said as of right now i feel confident in saying they are going to Hinchcliffe stadium in patterson everything points to that supposedly paperwork's already been signed it's been signed as of sometime within the last 10 days or so and it's just a matter of formally making an announcement i imagine probably when the season's over either the frontier league season or the jackal season then it becomes formal uh but it is something curious though i think you mentioned way back when we first started talking about this about a half hour ago well uh is that they didn't make this announcement earlier in the year it took until august to get it done yeah and so Hey, five games left or six games left or whatever it actually yep. is. But, uh, yeah, so not a lot of times left. So I think, uh, I will say, uh, if, if you've been around the Jackals games, uh, you know, there's one Thursday, Thursday game left. <laughs> I mean, I'm very tempted to go to that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very tempted just to go. So that like I say, <laughs> I was at the last one. Plus, I kind of like, we know what, how these Thursday Thursdays can go. Uh, we know how sometimes that stadium gets a little overboard. Uh, it made the news for being overboard before. So, I mean, I'd be, I, there's part of a curiosity in me of wanting to go and see that. And also, yeah, being able to see just like the last professional game there for at least the foreseeable future. It, it, I kind of want to go to that one, but who knows? Maybe by this point, it's already sold out. I don't know. It's just—it's just funny to think about a, uh, yeah. a last. I mean, yeah, I mean, if people get rowdy, you can't ban them from the ballpark. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, like, especially like of all things, for it to end on a thirsty Thursday, it's just like the most fitting so way fitting. for this to end. Yeah, so fitting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So on that note, we wrap up our Jackal to Patterson talk. Again, I apologize to the organization. I really shouldn't have to apologize for reporting it, but I do feel bad because these are major announcements for organizations. These are really organization and potentially life-shifting announcements, so I hate sniping things like that from under people, but I knew it. I have to report if I know it. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't report if I only had one person telling me that. I'll put it that way. I've had probably half a dozen or so, if not more, uh, telling me this, so I feel confident in it. If I'm wrong, then... Well, this is really going to look bad. It's really going to bite me in the ass in like a month and a half. But I, like I said, I feel very confident. Otherwise, I wouldn't run with it. So uh, that said, we still do have other Frontier League talk this week. It's going to be a very Frontier League heavy show. But I think everyone kind of knew going in that that's what the deal was going to be. So we're going to swing by because we do have some very tight playoff races. And we had the transaction deadline, which seems like a very light deadline uh, this past week. It was, I believe, the 15th that the transaction deadline took place. Yes, it was. A couple of notable moves occurred uh, via trade. Really, the two that I'm going to really highlight here would be Jolia trading uh, pitcher John Wachowski to the Jackals, actually, for Jackson Coates. And uh, then the Washington Wild Things acquired, aired from the Florence Yalls. Anthony Bracado in exchange for a player to be named later. Uh, so it kind of surprised me that we were seeing like a player for a player type of deal uh, with the Jackals and the Slammers, both teams. I don't want to say they're they're out of it. Well, maybe the Slammers kind of are. But the Jackals, now they sit at 500, 40 and 40. Postseason does seem to be a little bit out of reach at this point. It is a five and a half game difference with about 16 games left to play or so, 14, 16 games left to play. It seems like it's going to be a little bit too much to overcome at this point in the year. Meanwhile, with Joliet, they are much more in it still. They are about a game out of it uh, to get into that last wild card spot. Currently, uh, Evansville and Schaumburg are tied for that uh, those two wild card positions. But, of course, we have the Lake Erie Crushers not far behind and everybody else's kind of out of it in the west uh gateway sub 500 same thing with florence and windy city as well so they're pretty much out of it but we've known that for a little bit of time here but a three and seven ten day stretch has kind of really put the nail in the grizzly's coffin at this point but uh with 17 games behind first place and about oh seven games or so out of uh uh, playoff position for the Grizzlies so really our attention does remain in the east but before we get into the playoff race what do we think of those kind of last minute trades and transactions well I think that uh it, it was kind of curious to see the the player for player swaps especially for from the Jackals perspective just because they are you know they're kind of out of it you would think that maybe they would uh they would make a trade for uh, you know, for someone they want to get into a playoff race or whatever, for a player to be named later, or and you could, I think, simply just return them at the end of the year. Mm. I think that's more of the things that uh, that, that I were looking for. Uh, but I think that um, I, I I can understand the moves certainly. Um, I think uh, it, it it is just a little interesting that you know you, you mentioned like the oh the jackals kind of acting like buyers, and you know I guess they're not totally out of it yet like totally yeah. out of it yet but uh at the same time uh i think that uh it, you're you're running short on time and you know not not that there's a ton to be gained by you know selling it's not like you're tanking for it's not like you're tanking for a for a draft pick or anything like that uh but i think that uh, i think for Joel, I think for for Juliet, it makes sense. I guess the Jackals, it's a little bit curious, but maybe just a last last ditch effort for them. That or it could just be they like the player and they're building for next year. Even I think there's options. I don't know for yeah. a fact, but I'm pretty sure the Frontier League has options. But that being said, I, the guy I'm kind of surprised, and I understand why the Jackals wouldn't want to get rid of him because they want him for next year. But it kind of felt perfect for. Like, a player to be named later plus considerations. Like, to get something out of this, trading Rewalt would have just made so much sense in my mind. The guy's got, what, 26 home runs, and he's probably pushing 70 RBIs, if not over that, too. The guy's just really on just such a tear 
that there's a very strong case for him to be MVP this year. I'm not sure if he's going to quite get it done. Dennis Phipps has had a great year. Uh, Bradley Bell or Brantley Bell has had a fantastic year in of himself. And there's even some other guys on his team that have done very well. The team being the Jackals, of course. But just imagine for a second, if you're a team that's in the Jackal division, that maybe you want that one last kind of piece to put you over the edge. If you pick up Rewalt and you're like, let's just say the Bolters, for example, you get a guy that really can hit, one of the best home run hitters in this league. With those short porches, you're going to tell me that's not the kind of thing that puts you over the edge, that gets you into that playoff position, especially now that you have a red-hot Tri-City team. And, I, and I'm not going to say red-hot or cold minor team. They're, they're all right right now. They're about 500. They're nine games above that. There's certainly an issue in your way of getting to the postseason. But... Like, that just kind of seemed like the kind of move to make. Like, there was a couple of pieces that you could absolutely pick off. That's the thing about the Jackals is they're not that... It's not that they're a good team. They're 500, but they're not a bad team either. They have their moments, right? They're probably the one team that's benefited the absolute most from having the Grays for a bunch of games. But there's a lot of really, really, really good players there. And it just felt like to me that... You could have even just basically done the equivalent of a loan and just loaned them to like Sussex County, New York, Tri-City, these kinds of teams that are really fighting for that playoff spot and managed to get something back out of it. Like maybe two players to be named later or something like that, where you get the guy you kind of loaned right back, hence making it a loan, and you get something else too. Even if it's just future considerations where maybe they pay a fee or something, they pay your bus bill or whatever. You know, you get something out of it. It just kind of feels weird to me that they're going down with the ship. Like, and that's kind of why I kind of described it as them buying, even if it was just like a one for one player trade with Joliet. They didn't move anything else. They weren't selling pieces that they quite clearly had. Now, if you have it that, you know, these guys are going to come back, they want to come back, then fine, don't move them, keep them, because obviously there's something here, and maybe they do really well in Hinchcliffe next year. I don't even know what the dimensions would wind up being for the ballpark, but, you know, it just, it kind of felt like a missed opportunity here. You move some pieces in what's almost certainly a lost year, and you get something back for next year when you really could have a good chance, especially in a brand new ballpark with all all the everything attached to it, it just it felt like a tailor-made opportunity that they just kind of let go by. The, I think the Jackals definitely have benefited the most uh, by having the Grays in their division. They're probably, like, let's just say they're in the West. That yeah. this is probably a team that's like 8 to 10 games under 500. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think when you look at, I don't know, it's just, can you gain that much by selling? Like, I know, like, def- I, I, like I know how you made it sound, but yeah. like, can you gain that much by, by I guess, selling for lack of a better term, with like the few con- future considerations, like the players to be named later, and maybe you can. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think it's also coming from a place of they don't want to declare themselves out of it yet, even though they are, because they'd have to jump all these teams and they're five and a half out. I mean, they're just like maybe they're like, well, we have three still against the uh, uh, the Empire State Grays. Uh, and then maybe they can get hot. I don't know. I I think maybe they were just not at a point where they're just tot- like they're just totally ready to mail it in. Like for example, uh, like some of the teams in in the West Division, say like Windy City or Florence, uh, were at this point. So I guess that's that's probably the reasoning I can think of. But there's just, there's no way they can jump this many. Uh, there's just no way they can jump this many, uh, jump these many teams at, at this point. Yeah, like I, th- I do agree on some level with, uh, you know, maybe they weren't ready to mail it in because at that point they were coming off of a sweep of the Grays. They took a series against the Miners, so they were feeling better before, you know, the Boulders came through and kind of took two or three. And they do have some winnable games left. I mean, Three Rivers is probably about a fair matchup. The Grays should be another three. Then there's the boulders in Quebec, which are whatever, and same thing with the miners, they're whatever. So there's nine games that are toss-ups there. I also I'd be willing to also agree that maybe I oversold it a little bit as that the benefits of selling, but I just don't see many negatives to selling. I I also think on some level too, it was like look, so last year in the stadium, 
there's probably some people that aren't going to see another game again. There's also probably, um, you know, just the whole emotion of it, the whole we want to send off the season and send off the stadium with a win, with the competition. With a thirsty Thursday win. Yeah, exactly. With all of that. So I do think on some level that's part of it. And they wanted to kind of keep it competitive for that. It's just, like I said, for me, I don't see a downside in moving those guys. Unless they really were like, we really don't want to get moved. We'd rather just finish off the year here. And if that's the case, then I mean, you respect that and you don't move them. But, you know, I just, I felt like that would have been a good opportunity there. And I think a lot of these guys, too, they would have rather had an opportunity to play more games to showcase themselves more. So that way, maybe they get picked up, too. So that that's just my thinking. Yeah, and I get that. I just I don't know if the I don't know if the benefits are are that much. And yeah, maybe they could have sold off um, a, a couple pieces, but I I think I think part of it is uh well we want to kind of go out uh, and maybe you you don't want you you want to make sure you have some of these guys uh, for next season as well at, at Hinchcliffe. So I think that's part of it as well. But you know I think. Um, I, I think there's there's come a point uh, for the Jackals where they're just not fully ready uh, to sell, uh, and I get, I just I just don't know if there's that many benefits uh, for you know for an indie for any indie ball team really to like sell off some of their better pieces right at the deadline when there's not really a ton that they that they can get back uh, that could impact that much for next season. A fair point. Very fair point. But one thing I do want to point out before we start talking about, like, playoffs and everything. Did you know Miguel Cienfuegos is in sub-2 ERA? Oh, is it, does he now? Yeah, 1.95. 90 strikeouts, 8-2 and two record. 18 games. That is, that is pretty good. Yeah. I didn't realize he was doing that good. I knew he was doing good. I thought he was just low twos. I thought he was around 2.25 or something like that. But, nah, he's just, he went out and he's just been balling out. Yeah, I mean he's, I mean that's, I mean that's their ace going into going into the postseason. So I mean that's not that is not a guy you want to face uh, in a postseason game. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he's a hell of a game one starter. I I gotta give him that. But on that note, looking who they possibly play, I think is it safe to say Quebec has the East Division wrapped up at this point? Five yes. and a half up on uh, Ottawa, six and six up on uh, the next two nearest. Yes, it is over. Okay, good. So they they pretty much got that. They've gotten back to track seven and three. Got a sweep of three rivers. So they're doing good. Empire State's been out of this race since June. The Jackals, I think we can confidently say they just have hey, ran out of road at this point. I think it's fair to say that there's they're just not going to be getting back into this fight. Correct. Yes. All right. What about three rivers? We feeling good about them still? They're about three games above five hundred. Ten back, Quebec about four out of a playoff spot. It would be tough. Uh, I think I think it'd be really tough for Three Rivers. Their their next series against a red hot Tri City team, and then I mean it's Tri City and Quebec. He's not even though the, the, it's a big homestand for them. Uh, it facing probably the hottest team in the Frontier League in the Tri City Valley Cats right now. Uh, and then following that up with Quebec, I I don't see they have they have no games left against uh, against Empire State. I I can't see it. I think I'm not ready to totally rule them out, but I think with all the teams they would have to jump as well. I mean they'd have to jump three teams as well. I I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I will say they do have an interesting homestand here. I mean it started Tuesday, and it runs all the way through uh, Sunday the 28th. Which is a very interesting one. They just—it's just a three-game trip to Ottawa, and then they're right back home. They only have three away games left, the rest of the way, which is something of note here. But I do agree they have the two hottest teams next in Tri City and Quebec. A fairly even match against the Jackals, I'd say. I think they're pretty evenly matched. Maybe give slight edge to Three Rivers, but I mean, I yeah. almost equals. Then Ottawa, which isn't easy, and then New York, which isn't easy. So. I'm willing to agree and say that they, if they, I'd be willing to be generous enough to say they wouldn't be out of it if they didn't have two or three teams they had to jump to get there. If they only had like one, maybe two, I could see a a scenario where they get it, but it just seems like they have too steep of a hill to climb. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I just think that there's not enough time left and 
too many teams that would have to jump to make it happen. Yeah, right. So realistically here, we have four teams for two spots then between Ottawa, Tri-City, which have the spots as of right now, and then the Miners and the Boulders. Boulders have the hardest hill to climb, about a game and a half. Miners are tied, but the Valley Cats have them by a slight edge, via tiebreaker it would appear. Uh, and then Tri-City, obviously, via tiebreakers in that final wild card spot, they would go to Ottawa. They trail Ottawa by a half game. So out of those four, as it stands now, through 80 games with about a dozen plus to play, just a little over a dozen, not quite more than that, where are we thinking this winds up, at least as of right now? Because I think we can confidently say all four are still very much in this. Yeah, all four are absolutely in it. Um, to be honest with you, I think that it's going to end up being Tri-City and Sussex County. Uh, hmm. I think Ottawa, I just don't like how Ottawa's playing right now. Uh, I think they have, at least down the stretch, uh, I mean, they get to finish with three at Quebec. I guess we see how Quebec tries to play that series. I mean, they still have, they have still have six games left with Quebec all on the road. Uh, they still have Tri-City. Um, now, they do have a series against Empire State, um, as well as Three Rivers at home. Um, I think they have the most difficult road, and I don't think that they're playing very well right now. I think also, uh, try, as far as Tri-City, a big advantage that they have is also uh, finishing the year uh, with playing uh, Empire State. And so, if I, a gut feeling, I think it's going to end up with, I think it's going to end up being Tri-City and Sussex County uh, that make it, but with four teams that are so close together for two spots, it can definitely be wrong. Yeah, like I, I'm definitely agreeing with uh, Tri-City. I think they're too hot. I think they've hit their stride. And last year, they fell just ever so short. I think that they're pretty confidently going to make it here. Where I may disagree with, and I do look at the schedule that the Miners have, and it's a very nice schedule. I mean, like... They have some nice, easy games. The Jackals I see there. The Grays I see there. You know, they're, it's about a 50-50 split between even and hard. Tri-City's not going to be easy, especially if, you know, they remember last year. They're going to want some revenge. If they can knock them out, they're going to take every opportunity to do that. Uh, Quebec's not going to be easy. And obviously, they have a series that starts with New York tonight. And New York's going to fight like hell because, you know, they they have to. Uh, I would say I like the Boulders a little bit more. I think their schedule plays well to them. I think it's going to be very close. I want to say Ottawa, but when you mentioned their schedule, I went and I looked and I, and I said, you know what? You're 100% right. It's a very tough road that they have to climb. I don't exactly love that. And uh, ultimately, I, I do think it's going to wind up being New York as the second wildcard team and Tri-City hosting them. Now, in the end, I don't think it really matters too much. I think it's going to wind up being Quebec and Tri-City that kind of go on to that uh, divisional final. But you said it. I mean, it's it's really too close to call at this point. And it's going to be probably the most fun race to watch going down the stretch with about two weeks left in the season. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, for sure. But I think... Both the the race the race is really close, and you can make a case uh, for a lot of those teams. I think the Boulders, of course, they're kind of sort they're sort of at a disadvantage starting a game and a half down. Uh, but I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. And Tri City and Sussex County, uh, both I think, are have a good shot. And of course, Ottawa with the half game lead to begin with could also very well start to pick it up again. But they'd have to beat some tough teams to do it. So. You know, I, I think Tri-City and Sussex County, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it go another direction as well. Absolutely. We'll have to check back in on that next week. Over in the western part, it's already kind of set. Washington's about five games away from clinching a Division Four, away from clinching a playoff spot. They were pretty much in. Evansville, not playing great as of late. That's kind of opened the door. Schaumburg got hot. Now they've kind of cooled off. And Joliet's gotten very hot, winning their last six in a row, eight and two in their last ten. The Crushers, 7-3 and three in their last 10, won their last three in a row. Everybody else in that division, we've already said they're out of it. I don't think the Crushers are going to be able to get back in this. I think it's too much to climb. They're about two and a half back, and I just don't believe in them as a team. Joliet, maybe, but ultimately that West division, while it is a little bit closer, it seems more like an NFC East-type race where 
a couple of them are going to have to make it, but it's really Washington's division to kind of lose at this point. Oh yeah, it's definitely what I mean. Washington, and and of course, I mean the division's over for in, yeah. as far as the regular season, but uh, I think as far as the playoffs, I think Washington is just they're just so much better uh, than than any other team in this division that I I wouldn't. I, I would be surprised if they didn't end up rolling. I think uh, in in the postseason, uh, but I think as far as the other ones, you know, I mean, Evansville obviously not playing great baseball as of right now, uh, either putting themselves in jeopardy. I, but I mean, Joliet's making things interesting. I mean, this is they are they are red red hot, and uh, and really it's their pitching staff. That's I mean, their pitching staff on this win streak has been excellent. Uh, so they they've gotten hot at the right time as well. Uh, as far as uh, as far as their pitching staff goes, they still are playing. I mean, they have a big series coming up against uh, against Lake Erie to try and fend them off as well. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, Joliet is they're They are really making things interesting. And of course, you look ahead to the last uh, series of the year, Joliet versus Schaumburg. It could be could come down to that. We'll have to see. It absolutely could. We'll be keeping an eye on the Frontier League. But that said. We are nearly an hour in. We have to cover one more league this week, which is, of course, the American Association. No real Atlantic League talk this week. Not too much change there. No real Pioneer League talk this week. Again, not too much change there. We'll get back to them next week when things are a lot more closer and interesting over there. But the American Association, we have our first playoff team, and it comes with very little surprise as the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks clinched a playoff spot after beating the Canaries last night continuing their win streak to seven games, eight and two in their last 10, 56 wins, and now they fight for a division here. They're up three and a half on the Kansas City Monarchs, the lone other team with 50 wins in their division. And uh, the Monarchs themselves, last week we were saying, oh, they're kind of slumping a little bit. They're not doing great. They turned around. They won five in a row. So they're doing pretty solid there. The gold dies. We said, oh, maybe they're going to come. Maybe they're going to get them. They turn around, get swept by Kansas City, and are on a four-game losing streak. And, of course, then we have one other team that has to make the postseason here. A little bit of a fight between Lincoln and Sioux City. They're duking it out right now after a series between the pair of them. Over in the East, Chicago had lost 10 in a row, but then snapped it by beating Kane County uh, <clears throat> last night and the night prior to last. So now they've turned it around. Milwaukee and Kane County are both tied at 44 wins. Chicago still does hold first place in that division. And there is, again, a fight for that last playoff spot between Lincoln and Cleburne. Make of that what you shall. That is where we stand. Yeah, I think uh, as far as Fargo, I mean, they've, they've been the best team in the league uh, for most of the season uh, and have really put this away, uh, put this division away. I mean, I can't wait to see them uh, who, either against Kansas City or Winnipeg. I think both would be really fun matchups. I mean, as far as the Kansas City and Winnipeg series, I mean, we said last week that, uh, hey, we're going to get a lot of answers after these two teams play seven games in 10 days. And that's exactly what happened in Kansas City. Uh, they they were able to uh, they were able to play much better baseball when it mattered. Uh, against the gold eyes and a head-to-head matchup that they really needed and uh they seem to be pretty much back as of right now and and even the gold eyes i I still think that'd be very fun playoff series but just a little bit of a preview there as well uh with the monarchs uh i mean essentially uh dominating that series and sweeping the series uh and the offense hit really well i mean the the kent's the monarchs offense is is on fire right now Mm -hmm. uh and so that's really what's uh, what's fueled this for them. I mean, uh, they nearly hit, I mean, and they got on base this week at a 427 clip. So, uh, that's yeah. going to be, that's going to be, that's going to be pretty hard to beat. And I mean, Darnell Sweeney with an 11, 11 for 21 week, that's going to play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's going to play. And, uh, how about Matt Hall really since, yeah. uh, since, since joining the team in Kansas city, he's, he's pitched very well, uh, also. So, uh, Kansas City starting to run, uh, round back into form at the right time, and looks like they and they've pretty much salted that number two spot uh, away in this division. And even though there's technically picking teams or whatever, there's no real decision. It'll be Kansas City and Winnipeg, and should be a fun playoff series. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I, before I jump in on all of that, I do want to just point out here: Brian Torres from Milwaukee 
has essentially been an everyday player, 77 games so far this year. And he's batting 398. And he has like three home runs there. Yeah, but batting nearly 400 for a whole year. It's just something else. Only 36 strikeouts too. So like next to nothing in that regard. Like this dude is just killing it right now. And I mean, like he won't wind up winning MVP because there's other guys that aren't that far off that have a lot more power numbers and a lot, you know, a lot different of a situation. They play on better teams as well. But you gotta commend a dude that's hitting 400. That's just insane. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, especially in this day and age where uh, pitcher stuff is better than ever. Uh, and it's nice to see nice to see a contact guy as well. Uh, that that uh, that really cuts down the strikeouts. His walk and strikeout numbers are very similar. But I mean, yeah, Brian Torres is just—he's—he's he's an incredible player, uh, and he's had, and he's had an unbelievable year uh, with with Milwaukee. Yeah, and also Pete Maris had 11 RBIs this week. He had a fifth of his season total this past week. Just insane there. But yeah, like a lot of these guys, there's a lot of really good individual performances in this league, but. Uh, regardless of that looking more larger picture we did get a lot of answers this past week uh, between Kansas City and Winnipeg we do have the playoff format we'll go through in just a sec but yeah it's going to be Kansas City Winnipeg it's going to be a fun playoff so it's going to be a fun one there and uh, looking very forward to that and Fargo I mean do they really care if it's Lincoln or it's Sioux City I mean I don't think so I mean like Lincoln I think they've been slightly better against but it doesn't matter they're going to win it it's just what's going to happen there in the east I mean it's kind of a mess. I mean, there's no real great way to describe it. Chicago looked really good, and then they just looked really bad. And now you have a couple teams above 500 there. So it's like, okay, good. Milwaukee and King County, there'll be an interesting playoff series. I'll be looking forward to it. I, I actually do look forward to that one. I think that's a nice, even like back and forth one. But realistically, whoever Chicago plays should probably lose to Cleburne or Gary. It's... Six of one in my mind. They're pretty much the same team with Cleaver maybe being better. But for me, the West Division final is really the true league championship series in my mind. I mean, it's going to either be Winnipeg, Kansas City versus uh, Fargo Moorhead. And that's really what we're all looking forward to here. Because I don't, and it feels weird writing off a team that's 13 games above 500, but I just don't feel Chicago as much of a threat this year. I really don't. No, not not in a championship sense. Yeah, I, I I don't think they're even really as close to as good as uh, Fargo Moorhead and Kansas City, and I would honestly say Winnipeg is probably better than Chicago as well. Uh, so I, I think I think the the champion will definitely come from the West. I think that's uh, that, that's pretty safe to say, and I think the East playoffs could be a little bit wide open, honestly. So uh, even though none of the teams are that great, uh, I think that they could be interesting just because I think that you could see it be a little bit wide open. Yeah, they are fairly comparable in skill, and that makes it interesting there. But uh, when those uh, when those playoff games start, that's going to be September the 7th. That's when Game 1 will begin. Uh, travel slash rain day on the 8th. Then on the 9th, Game 2 will be uh, played. That's going to be at the higher seat. So the lower seat is going to have Game 1. Higher seat is going to have Game 2. If necessary, Game 3 will be on September the 11th. All right, September the 10th, my mistake, Game 3 on September 10th. That, again, is also hosted by the higher seed, with the 11th being a travel day or a rain day should Game 3 be rained out and necessary. Uh, Divisional series will start the following day on the 12th. Uh, Lower seed will host Game 1 on the 12th. 13th will be a travel day or a rain day, with Games 2 and 3 being on 14 and 15, respectively, and 16 being held back as a travel day and a rain day. So both the divisional round and the divisional championship round are both best of threes. Once we get to the Miles Wolf Cup final, aka the League Championship Series, uh, that becomes a best of five. With the lower seed hosting games one and two on the 17th and 18th of September, a travel and rain day will begin the 19th. And then on the 20th, we will have a game three. If necessary, game four would be on the 21st and the last possible day that we would see American Association Baseball in 2022 would be the 22nd of September. So within about a month from now, we will have this whole season wrapped up for the American Association. So those are your dates. I don't know if there's too much to 
really contemplate here, but those are the dates. Yeah, we're, we are hitting the home stretch and it's almost playoff time. It certainly is. So that probably means that uh, the fourth or fifth, I imagine probably be the fifth or fifth or sixth would be the, uh, would be the drawing then. Yeah. For, uh, when you pick your opponent. Yeah. I'd have to assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just check real quick to see what the last day of se- fifth is the last day of the season. So I imagine either five or six would be then, uh, be when you'd make that selection then. No. I, I would think so, yeah. All right. So we are rapidly closing it on, uh, I guess it would be, what, Selection Tuesday? <laughs> so, doesn't have the same ring to it, but sure. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. But anyway, so that's where we're at. That's pretty much all there is happening there. Uh, like I said, not going to really talk about the Atlantic League or the Pioneer League this week. We're already over an hour, so it just feels like uh, we're just going to repeat the same points. Gastonia good, Lancaster good. Missoula good, you know, other teams not great, playoff format not great. So, yeah, that's pretty much all your Atlantic League talk there, I'd say. There you go. Yep, as well as Pioneer League talk as well. should point that out because I did say Missoula in there as well. But uh, So on that note, I suppose we'll go to the plugs and then we'll get out of here. If you want to uh, follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod, on Instagram at uh Indie Ball Report and at ALPB underscore news. You can also go to the website, find the show notes. That's where we have the Jackal statement. That's where we have some Hinchcliffe articles. That's where we have uh, a bunch of stuff on the show notes on the website, as well as a plethora of other things. I'm sure to check that out. And if you want to find the show, you could do so wherever you find podcasts, tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Podomatic, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, you know, all the whole nine there. Wherever you find podcasts, you find the show if you're able to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, that said, do we have anything else left to add this week before we get out of here? Only thing I have left to add is, to, is this week I just learned that Sioux City is in Iowa and not in South Dakota. I made that mistake, too for a little while and then i realized wait a minute it's in iowa and uh it's honestly an easy mistake to make you think it would be in south dakota for some reason but it is not yeah yeah learn something new every day all i have to add is will you be attending that final jackal game at yogi berra or is that just too much oh see because somerset's also playing that night at home Mm -hmm. so i don't know maybe i'll get back to you even like this, Somerset's always going to be playing, but Yogi yeah, Berra's no, only going to have one more. That's true. Yeah, you possibly could be convincing me. I'll let you know. I, yeah. I, I can't fully commit now, but yeah, because I'm thinking my head over there myself. So who knows? If either one of us is there, you'll know via the Instagram pages that we told you to follow. So yes, sure to do that. So with that said, until next time, and potentially until the 25th, but certainly until the 27th. Don't forget to play ball.